Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. Happy New Year! Yay! We're back in 2024. 2024. Well... We're starting off the new year with 1988's Bad Dreams. As night falls, a new day begins. A day of unity. Sometimes, a single moment of madness, our love will never die, can last a lifetime. Come to me, Cynthia. You belong with us forever. She was in a coma for over 13 years. Everyone she knew was killed in the fire. And sometimes your worst nightmares begin the moment you wake up. He's in there! He's alive! Who's alive? I'm waiting, Cynthia. Keep your promise and join us, or I'll take someone in your place. He wants us all with him. You're all gonna die. Now. survive bad dreams take a stab at it march 25th this film was directed by andrew fleming who also directed the craft and another favorite movie of mine threesome oh yeah and he also did nancy drew later on um but he's had an interesting we don't have to talk about that one he's done a lot of tv shows too and it has recognizable um, actors in it. Uh, you have Bruce Abbott from Reanimator. Yep. Again, playing a doctor, but a much nicer one this time. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Rubin, uh, who you may or may not know from Dream Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And uh, she's also in the, what was the one we covered about the killer ape? In the hospital, the one they filmed down here in Orlando. Oh, yes. I don't remember the name of the movie, but she Shockma. was... Shockma. Yeah, she Shockma. was also from Shockma. And, crazy enough, this... She, back to back, she was in a mental institution. Because in 1987 is when Dream Warriors came out. This one came out in 88. Yeah. She spent a lot of time in mental institutions in the 80s. Yeah, so she's like the queen of mental institutions. <laughs> and, personal favorite of mine, E... G. Daly. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Daly, uh, who's the voice of Tommy Pickles and Buttercup. Um, <laughs> Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, in case you're like, who the hell's Tommy Pickles? 
and Buttercup from Powerpuff Girls. She also was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure and my favorite movie, which you may or may not know if you've listened consistently to our podcast, Valley Girl. Ah. Yeah, a few other people you recognize in here too. Uh, the main bad guy in this uh, is played by Richard Lynch, who you'll recognize as the evil guy in, well, everything. Uh, most prominently, uh, The Sword and the Sorcerer is one of my favorites of his, where he plays the uh, evil King Cromwell in that. And uh, he was been in TV and movies for right up until he died in the, I think he died in 2012, and he was in stuff all the way up until he died. You've also got, as the doctor in charge of the mental institution here, you've got Harris Eulen, who has also been in everything and continues to work to this day. Uh, and you may remember him as uh, Quentin Travers, the head of the Watcher Council in Buffy, who he made several appearances in that show. He's been in Star Trek. He's been in every cop show imaginable. You've seen his face. And you also have uh, Dean Cameron from summer school he was chainsaw and you know, of course horror fans all remember him because he's the guy they identify with in that movie him and dave from chainsaw and dave and this movie was written by uh well andrew fleming came up with the story and uh there's a few other people credited for the story but the screenplay uh, was credited to stephen e D'Souza, who had a pretty good year in 1988 this came out along with a couple of other movies he wrote uh one was die hard and the other one was The Running Man. So he had a really good year in 1988. I'm sure he was happy with the residuals that year. Uh, he also wrote some other movies you've heard of, like Commando, 48 Hours. He also created the TV series The Powers of Matthew Starr, which I've talked about before. It lasted one season. It was basically uh, that movie that came out a few years ago called I Am Number Four. Basically stole the plot of The Powers of Matthew Starrs. Which is a... Y.A. novel. Yeah. B.T.W. He also created the Renegades TV show. I think there was only a pilot episode or a few episodes around of that. But it was the one where uh, Patrick Swayze is a teenage tough guy who has to use his gang connections to work with Kurtwood Smith. And because they go undercover and go do all these things. But Patrick Swayze was probably about 30 at the time he was playing the tough teenager. I can't. <laughs> it's one of it's one of those early '80s shows where it's like the people are clearly thirty to thirty five years old, and they're like, "Oh, they're a teen. He's only seventeen. No, he's not. He hasn't been seventeen in a while." So yeah, there are a lot of people attached to this show. So Bruce Abbott, yes, as we were doing our research, had no idea. So okay, in the film. There is a scene where they're in the mental institution gym. Because, you know, not only do you have to keep your mind strong, you got to keep your body strong. Yeah. Right? And Chainsaw is wearing a, either it's a sweatshirt or it's a long sleeve shirt. And it just says Terminator on it. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Had no idea that Bruce Abbott was actually married to Linda Hamilton. <laughs> and they divorced in 89. So he was with her when she did Terminator. Obviously, in part two, when her and Cameron were like, whatever, that was in 91. So that wasn't until later on. I think they were already together at the point that uh, so probably, they started that movie. Yeah. Okay, so let's say between 89 and 91, because she gave birth to Dalton, Abbott's son. I'm like, mm, okay, that's, I don't know. 
<laughs> was he a Roadhouse fan? I don't. <laughs> I'm thinking he might have been. <laughs> so in '89. So, but I just found that really interesting. And they were married for a little while, but I had no idea. They were married uh, from 82 to 89. I had no wow. idea that they were married. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's crazy. That is crazy. I don't know if the Terminator thing was like just a coincidence, but I find it to be a huge well, coincidence. The other thing I read about, they said that Dean Cameron uh, improvised a lot of his lines just to throw people off. So he may very well have just worn that terminator sweatshirt in there just to mess with bruce abbott that's he's a jokester so he, he definitely he could have done that could have totally done that but yeah, yeah i see bruce abbott and linda hamilton together especially like 80s linda hamilton yeah like totally they look great together um and then you know they had a child or two so this film um i'm not gonna jump the gun i've never seen the film before this is my fir first time watch and this is the second time I've seen it, but the first time I saw it was in 1988, so it has been a while since I've watched this movie. <laughs> uh, Shad has had on his list, uh, his Amazon list, for this double feature of Hospital Horror, which is this one, Bad Dreams, and Visiting Hours. And we uh, chose to do Bad Dreams, um, but that's been on the list for a pretty long time. Yeah. So we decided to cover it and start the year with a little craziness. Because what's scarier than the American healthcare system? <laughs> 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 so here you have Richard Lynch. And you know what? He's the leader of a cult. Of course he is. Of course. Why not? A cult from the 70s. And they're a free love cult. And they're called Unity Field. And you know what's creepy? Yeah, that's totally, could totally be a name for cult. I mean, it's perfect, yeah. right? And, you know, it, he was modeled after, like, what, Jim Jones? Jim Jones, and uh, probably a few others. There wouldn't be some more cult leaders for a while till you know, I think, what was this? The Branch Davidians were after this, so yeah, they weren't thinking of him yet. No, I went straight to, like, Waco. Yes, but, yeah, that was the Branch Davidians. Oh, that was the Branch Davidians? Yeah. Okay, I thought those were the other people. Wait, the way go, who were the ones they wanted to go to space? That was Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, okay. I thought that was in between. Which, that's the cult I understand the least. Because I get they're like, hey, come live with us in this giant mansion. We're going to do computer work and make money. Okay, fine, I'm with you. And we're going to study aliens, and we believe aliens are visiting the planet. Okay, okay. Then they all wear like uh, like leisure wear with like sneakers. Oh, I'm getting to that. And, <laughs> and then they're like, okay, we believe in the aliens are visiting us. We believe we might be able to contact them. Okay, okay, I'm listening. And we're going to need to cut your balls off. We're going to have to castrate you here at the house, not like at a medical facility. We're going to do it here. And then we're going to need you to put a roll of quarters in your pocket, put on your tracksuit and your black Nikes, drink some poison, and jump on the spaceship. You lost me. I'm out. Now, this is this is where I have a question. They did all of that. Did they come... Now that we know that aliens are real, and a lot of <laughs> us already knew that aliens are real, but now that we have concrete evidence from the government, that, like, they've confirmed, okay, that's a thing. Now that we know that, did they ever contact the aliens, and are they... Are they there? Like, their spirits, obviously, not well, their bodies. <laughs> we have to wait, because they believe that the aliens were hiding in this the Hale-Bopp comet that only comes around every, like, hundred years or so. Mm, but so, it could be not the aliens that are visiting us now or around. It could just be, be some other aliens. They're off 
wherever they're at with this comet. From yeah, now. they were going to hop on the comet along with the. They're uh, surfing. Aliens. They're surfing on the comet. They're comet surfing right now. Everybody is surfing. Yep. is what I hear. When comet I'm... surfing. And so here I am, comet surfing. I'm wearing a, a jog suit, a jogging suit. Yeah. I'm wearing black Nikes and a, and roll, of a roll of quarters because, because apparently it's going to take at least ten dollars worth of quarters to get onto the spaceship. Hmm. I mean, maybe that's the exchange rate, ten dollars worth of quarters equal to ten quatus. Maybe or, they melt down the quarters and they make like a big giant key that needs to be made out of like whatever quarters are made out of. Yeah, I think it's. I don't even know what they're made out of. To be honest, quarters <laughs> used to be made out of silver, but not anymore. But yeah, um, yeah, I can't imagine what the hell they're going to do with all that. You know. So yeah, so then we have Unity Field, and they're not into the quarters. They're not into the jogging suits. They're just into simple, old style hippie life with 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 the terrible orange carpet, you know, in the house, oh. the riggedy house in the middle of a field, um, yeah. obviously appropriately so named so, and you know he's baptizing uh, Richard Lynch. There's a scene uh, he's baptizing his followers, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. He's just pouring water with a huge ass ladle from a rusty ass bucket. Onto their head and it's dripping down. And literally, like, after the second person, I'm like, oh, no, that's not, that's not water. I think that's gasoline. Yep, that was gasoline. Yeah, it was sure, sure so it was gasoline. that's how they were going to become one and move on to the next plane was they were all going to burn themselves alive and become one and move on to a better plane of existence. This is where, I, and I, I don't understand... The cult's mind, obviously, because then I would be in a cult, I guess. Um, I can't step outside of myself and like look from a different perspective. Because uh, it's cult, too what? It's once too you out start there. talking about baptizing me in gasoline, cutting off balls. We got to do these crazy. Nope, you lost me. Um, but I've got you're, you when you're when you're at the let's let's get together in the house. Let's live together, share expenses, let's work together. Get together. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna do all that. Uh, okay, sure, fine. We can work with that. But once we start doing the crazy body modification and the murders and the, you know, you need to have a child bride, no thanks. We're out of here. This is what I don't get. Death is an eventuality. So you you only live maybe like, I don't know, when you look at the people, I'm going to say they range from like 17 and I'm only saying 17 was a teenager because Jennifer Rubin is a teenager at this point. It's played by a different actress. And um, so let's say 17, well, actually, no, scratch that. There was actually children, a baby. So there's an infant, but the baby, we, you know, can't do anything. Children, they are obviously because of their parents. Two kids, let's say nine and ten. Um, range in all age, you haven't lived a life yet. They were 20 and 30. They all acted like they were like in their 60s. And they're like, ah, it doesn't matter. We're on our way out. We've lived a life already. We're ready to go. They hadn't barely lived a life. And they're all... Is anyone paying rent? They're all living in this huge house. I'm going to assume they all had their own rooms. Or they're probably sharing. Because the, the, the house was massive. It was a little riggedy. But it was a massive house. So why, why are you so rushing to die? Like, and become one of what? Like, and how do you know that you accomplished your goal once you're there? I have so many questions. But... Anywho, this all leads us to Jennifer Rubin, who character Cynthia. She's real hesitant. Like she's like, ah, oh, you can see she's like, I don't know, I want the gasoline in my head. I don't know, this is a good idea. Like, mm. 
and she's not really about it but she's being coerced obviously manipulated by Richard Lynch and we're gonna call him father daddy and I forgot what his name was Harris Harris which is weird because his name in the movie is Harris and one of the actors in the movie's name is Harris yeah so I wonder if he kept looking at like every five seconds like they call Harris what oh sorry not wrong Harris wrong Harris so she gets it dumped on her head um actually we don't actually see so the movie does this like whole flashback thing because after you know everyone gets the gasoline on them of course obviously the house blows up so everyone dies dot 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 except for jennifer rubin who may or may not have been saved and then she was the only survivor and she went to a coma for 13 years so now we're in the 80s yeah, well here we are in 1988 and you know she's missed all the good things um and and all, and some you know some bad things that happened from 80 to 88 um well, from 75 to 88 well yeah she missed all the rest of the well, I'm at the 80s yeah she she yes, she missed she missed disco like you know she missed Battlestar Galactica she did <laughs> um she star missed wars. star wars yeah we, we, were, we were we were going to get to star wars but here we are and she, you know, it's so funny because there's a part in the film where Chainsaw is um, c- trying to get her to go back to his room. And he's like, I have VCRs. I have cassette tapes. I got... Oh, he goes, I got a I had MTV. I got a hi-fi VCR. I got a CD player. And I got MTV. And I thought, no one now knows what the fuck that is or why anyone would care. Yeah. They're watching, the kids watching this now be like, what the fuck's a hi-fi VCR? CDs? Why would you be impressed with that? That'll be like, I got a VR, whatever headset up the upstairs. Yeah, that's all I can think of. This. Got an Oculus Rift upstairs. There you me. go. I had no idea, but whatever. However, you get someone upstairs, you know, I got some hot flaming Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's now? It's be like I've got a Spotify with an unlimited account. The MTV got me, though. I was like, okay. Well, this was the 80s. MTV was still playing music back at the time. Yeah. I mean, I know it was hot and everything, but... That's when the he's M telling her stood like, for music, music television. Yeah, but the thing is, she has no idea what MTV was. He could have said, and she would have been like, okay. Okay, uh, that's cool. Whatever. But what I love about this is she's been in a coma for 13 years. She wakes up, and she's fine. Yeah, she's fine. And that's why I said, I said, um, isn't she, like, on her limbs, like, atrophied? She has to do a lot of, like, physical therapy. She would have... She also has the mind of a child because she was a teenager, like, when... Now she's, you know... 30. Yeah, oh, shit, yeah. 30. Damn. So, even if, well, if she was 15 when she went in, she'd be 28, you know. She's 28 to 30. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, like I said... When we covered the dead zone, he was in the coma for five years, and he came out. He couldn't walk. He had to have surgery on his legs. To be fair, he wasn't fifteen when he went in. He was already old as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe youth was on her side, and I got her to jump back. Yeah, they do one scene where she's like working out on a leg machine, and she's like, "Oh, I'm feeling much better now." Yeah, it's been two days, and you're up on your feet, going around like nothing happened. Take it to the limit. Um, this is the episode where I sing a lot of okay. different tunes um, from various things that you may or may not know what the hell I'm talking about. But yeah, she recovered very quickly from this coma. She was up and moving within a day. Now, we're not going to go, obviously, into the whole film. Watch the movie, guys. Is it, is it actually, is it 
even playing anywhere right now. It's not. You have to buy this Blu-ray. It's the only way to see it. I would say it was definitely worth... Because you're getting two movies, right? Yeah, and the movies. other movie has fucking William Shatner in it. So just buy the movie. Well, the other movie has William Shatner and Michael Ironside in it. Who is the other guy who spent the 80s being a bad guy and everything. So... I'm going to guess in that movie they switch it up and William Shatner's the evil guy and Michael Ironside's a good guy. Wink. Obviously you are not. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this was during Shatner's career, phase in his career, when he was like, yeah, there's only been the one Star Trek movie and it didn't do great, so I need to do whatever I can to make money. It's when he was in the 70s when he was making The Devil's Reign, Kingdom of the Spiders, whatever he could. Yeah, Kingdom of the Spiders. He was trying to do whatever he could. And I think for a while he thought, you know, maybe if I become a horror guy, I can begin a lot of these movies. They don't pay a lot, but if you do 25 a year, <laughs> it adds up. Yeah. Now, this film is does have its, like, gross moments. Oh, yeah. And, uh, spoiler alert for a movie that's super fucking old, uh, E.G. Daly does not make it. And I am very upset by that, <laughs> okay, because... I wanted her to live. Now, mind you, yes, obviously, I guess she was going to get picked off. So, at least she got some work. But, hot darn. It was sad to see her die. Also, this is a movie. And, you know what? I'm just actually going to admit what I was going to say about that. So, never mind. <laughs> she uh, falls into a pool and drowns. You don't see anything. She's wearing a bathing suit and a robe. So, there you go. Yeah, so basically after she wakes up from the coma, it doesn't take, you know, after she wakes up and gets into the group where much like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, she's got to be part of a special group of people that are going to work through their problems. It doesn't take long for her to start seeing Harris, the cult leader, popping up all over the hospital, waving to her from the elevator creepily. And you also see him turning from being normal to being very badly burned. Badly burned. Badly burned. Which is ironic because Richard Lynch, in the 60s, got uh, freaked out on drugs. And in a fit of whatever he was going through while he was on the drugs, he poured gasoline all over himself and set himself on fire. Became badly burned. Yes, he burned over 70% of his body. That's why when you look at the show, you see his hands. He has burn scars all over the backs of his hands, the palms of his hands. You can see, like, his neck and face is scarred. Yeah, that's not special effects. That's, that's just, literally... That's him. Him. And they said when he first... They put the full burn makeup on him, and he looked at himself in the mirror, he freaked out a little bit because he had flashbacks to when he severely burned himself. That was what apparently motivated him to get off drugs and get clean and become an actor. So, not that that's funny, but, you know, there's... A lot of people that do not like this movie because they criticize that it's so close to Nightmare on Elm Street. And yeah. that similar thing happened to Robert England where he fell asleep in the makeup and he woke up. Yeah. Obviously, he hadn't been badly burned in his life, but it was still a shock to him. So it was something kind of similar in experience. But I, when I when I read that, it was like, I mean, really? There's are two separate things. Like, Freddy wasn't in a cult. He wasn't a cult leader. But he is a dude popping up in dreams, you know. But the thing is, she's not... Jennifer Rubin in this film is not dreaming. She's no. lucid. Like, she's awake. She's seen all this stuff. She's just not sure if it's real or not. Yeah. Because no one else has seen it at first. And you'll never know if it was real or not. That's another spoiler there for you. 
Do you know? Maybe not. Oh, I don't think it was. No, you don't. You don't know that it's real, or maybe is it real? Now, obviously, we saw the original ending, which left it more ambiguous than the uh, actual ending they decided to go with. But then the <laughs> the ending on the DVD, they have the original ending, is very like ambiguous as to whether or not the things were real. But then has a little stinger at the end where literally. There's a skeleton hand reaching up out of the ground, and you're like, oh, they were trying to set this up for a sequel, weren't they? No, Just was, in case this made a lot of money. It was Carrie White. She was that bitch is a backup coming She's out the coming dirt. Coming out the ground again. Yeah, everybody's got to be coming out of the ground, thanks to Carrie. <sighs> Carrie, come on. Um, You know, if Bruce Abbott was my doctor, I don't know if I can continue seeing him because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to go to another doctor so then we could go on a date. Oh, don't worry. He's got you covered on this one. He didn't have to worry about that. He immediately started going after Jennifer Rubin. Yeah, I did not care for that whatsoever. Not because of the whole, like, patient doctor thing. Because she's still 17 in her mind. No, not because of that either. Like, she could, she's a grown-ass <laughs> woman. That wasn't it. The thing about physically, it was... Physically, she's a grown-ass woman, but mentally, she's... Physically and legally, she's way... She could have voted for fucking 13 years of voting, okay? That's a lot of presidents. Um, Unless she was 15 when she went in. No, I'm dead. When then he might be a little creepy, because he's at least 35 in this show. Regardless, <laughs> at the end of the film, he pops out a, I love you, and I'm like, you known this bitch for two days. What do you mean I love you? Like, that really confused me. But then well, I thought... he was saying it just to help her out because she was in trouble at the time. Maybe, but, I mean, it's obviously a movie of its time because what kind of man is popping out I love you and the, thinks the woman's going to be like, oh, that's exactly anything I've always wanted in my whole life and it's going to fill me, you know, fulfill me and whatever. Like, really? Come on. No. But not only that, but it's like... Yeah, if I was a doctor and literally all I did, because you, this is like a one shot thing. He's always at the fucking hospital. Like, yeah. he's always at the hospital. He doesn't have a life. Like, you know, doctors are always on call. So, and this is a psych ward. Like, this is, you know, the mental institution. Everybody crazy 24 7. There's no, like, oh, I'm going to go home. There's showers there. There's food there. Like, do you really need to leave? So that was probably the most quality time he had with a woman who wasn't a psycho. Because this well, is the messed up about... She no, no. The messed up thing about the movie is that they put her in a psych ward and they put her all with the real psychos. Like all those other people did have issues and they were there for regardless of what happened during their stay... They did things in the outside world that got them to go to be there. She and then the cop that is doing the investigation. You see the cop at the beginning, and this is the worst fucking cop y'all that have ever like copped his whole life. Like worst police man, worst police work ever. Like he just, I don't know how he thought that this child, okay coerced all these people and she was a cult leader it was like obviously we have a video like that like it's obviously is this dude was the cult leader like hello and where the people like got 
her from the building. She was separate from everybody because she got thrown off from the blast. So, like, well, it's not like she was, suspicious. like, hiding in a room. She, they're suspicious. They're like, hmm, the only person to survive this? That's odd. Maybe she's the one that did it. Yeah, but doesn't isn't forensics a, a thing now? Has it now? Come? But it wasn't. No, Why no, I'm, think, I didn't mean now. I mean now, like in '88, was it a thing? Not as much as it is now. Okay, but no one's taking a picture. Like no one took a picture of where all the bodies were. Like obviously they did because didn't they have a picture of um, the victims or whatever? I don't know if they had a picture of them, but you know this was the '80s. They probably just or it was the '70s when this happened. So oh, that's true. Drew, no, they that's probably right. just drew so a sorry. chalk outline around everybody and called it a day. You're right. It was the 70s. So and there they was, were, was a fire, so it was probably just like a pile of ashes they were drawing chalk outlines around. Yeah. But I'm saying with the EMTs, like, they would be like, oh, shit, this, you know, this girl was under a pile of rubble. Like, I don't know. The whole thing was just upsetting to me because the police work was just so, it was lazy. It was accusational. Like, he was not even trying to find any fucking he facts. He's like, this arrest. bitch did it. He wanted to close the case and move on with his life and go get a fucking donut. He wanted to arrest somebody and be like, yep, she did it. She's responsible for it. She needs to go to jail. Yeah, that really that really grinded my gears. I did not appreciate that. Which I made comments on his terrible police work several <laughs> times throughout the film. He was not a, he was not a, you're, you're not a fan of his. I was not a fan. I was... Uh, I, you know, and each patient that was there was real fucking wacky and also in a weird way, kind of reminded me of characters from Nightmare on Elm Street and not even the Dream Warriors one, like a combo of like Dream Master, um, because it's the, the, the black girl. Yeah, she she looks very much like the girl from Nightmare on Elm Street and kind of acted a little... Like yeah, when she had the oversized glasses, yeah. you know, and um, so her, because the other one was like a scientist, she yeah. was very spiritual. Like, she knew, <laughs> this is actually, to be honest, she was actually my favorite character, but she has a flaw. The flaw of hers is, she told that dude, like, she told Richard Lynch when she saw him, because the whole thing is like, he's coming after all the patients everyone that's associated with jennifer um with cynthia he's coming after and they kill themselves because either you kill yourself or i keep killing people until i get you yeah so um this chick decides she's you know she's in charge of her destiny she drank fucking formaldehyde dude like that was intense not only that but she stated, I told her what she needed to do. But she didn't because the Jennifer, uh, Cynthia never fucking did anything. Jennifer Rubin did a damn thing. She didn't do anything. So that was just a line, just a little fucking line out. And I was bothered by that. That really upset me because I'm just like, what? Did she tell you something? Because you just decided not to do that? Like, not to do whatever this chick told her? Because you never, you never know what she told her to do because it was off screen. So, and that's like her last words before she drank the fucking also, formaldehyde. Also, it's a very lax mental institution because who leaves formaldehyde around for you to drink? Also, at one point, uh, Dean Cameron's character, uh, what was his name in this one? I, I have no idea. But he just uh, he just has a fucking hunting knife with him. Like a fucking fold out, like six inch blade knife that I feel like, I don't think they would let you bring that into the mental institution. His name was uh, Ralph. Ralph. 
PESCO. But yeah, I don't think they let you bring knives into the mental institution. I don't think they should have left the formaldehyde just laying around. Other people died because they were, you know, able to move from floor to floor and they got caught up in turbines and very lax security at this place. I They did not... The uh, facility in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was much tougher to get around in. Oh, hell yeah, it was. Also, this is the... Um Roger Rabbit makes a fucking appearance. Oh, yeah, that's right. Charles Fleischer shows up <laughs> as the pharmacist. Who steals the THC pills. Oh, it was the liquid. Oh, the liquid, yeah. yeah the so liquid. I love when he's talking to him and he's like, oh, this is a synthetic uh, liquid uh, THC. And he goes, there's enough in here to get all of Boston high. And Bruce Abbott leaves and you see Charles Fleischer just look around. He picks that vial up, puts it in his pocket, just walks casually away. Yeah, and you never see... You know what? He ingested that shit and that's how he became fucking Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he took He that. went off to fucking Toontown. Oh, damn, that was the same year as Roger Rabbit, too. Yeah, so literally, there you go, he connection. He went to Toontown right after this became Roger Rabbit. Because, yeah, I love he just put that shit in his pocket and just walked casually away like, yeah, I'm not going to sell this. Because you know the pharmacist working in the basement of the mental institution is probably a little sus anyhow. But this is that's the other thing that really bothered me. He, like, they, the um, Bruce Abbott asked him, like, hey, like, what, you know, he was asking him, like, because every, you know, mental institution, you have to, like, distribute, like, the drugs that each patient is supposed to take to, yeah. like, help them out whatever issue they have. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know... The doctor, like the main head doctor comes and he chooses the pills and then the nurse just comes and distributes them. But what the hell was Roger Rabbit's job? Because he was just sitting there doing, not doing a damn thing. If the doctor who, the main doctor should not be the one that's choosing the medicine for yeah, everybody. Should he be. should send like his fucking note down, like doctor note, like, okay, this one, when they first get there, this one's supposed to have, you know, three, And the whatever. pharmacist would fill the prescription. Exactly. So as soon as you find out that the doctor is personally filling all the prescriptions, that's Red flag, yeah. red flag. Yeah, there's a big red flag flying right there. Yeah, and that's the other thing I didn't... That, well, I shouldn't say that's the other thing. This is the main reason. The movie was fine. For It was fine. I don't like when they go out of their way to make something out of nothing. Like, the whole thing is like, oh, this cult, and he's coming back, and he's killing people in their dreams, or not in their dreams, he's killing people, making them kill themselves or whatever, to, like, add to his cultness so then they could all become one cool i'm cool with that but then you're like oh no it's just the evil doctor that's fucking with people's medicines that's making them see some crazy shit and he's all trying to like you know write for fucking you know whatever harvard review or whatever the hell he was trying to fucking accomplish you know on personality disorders or bipolarism whatever the fuck it was what was it <laughs> he said uh uh was it uh Borderline personality disorder. Yeah, borderline personality disorder. Didn't get that one out, sorry. And and that's why he's fucking with everyone's medicine, including Jennifer Rubin. So he was just trying to make this bitch crazy. She was fine. For, you know, fine for the most part. And, but to have massive, like, hallucinations like that, where they're shared hallucinations, super rare. Like, that's not even a thing. Like, so I don't, like, medically, un unbelievable. And then, oh, you're now you're telling me that everything I've seen for the last fucking two hours of this movie is not real. 
and it's all a fucking lie. This guy is not really come back. You know, he doesn't have any fucking superpowers or whatever. He hasn't come back in this in another altered state, which he's trying. No pun intended. Well, he's trying to like fuck around with fucking people. It's all a fucking like. Why did I just sit here for two hours watching this movie? I don't know. That's the part of the movie I didn't like. I, I didn't like they when just, they put. I think they were just trying to do something different and have it be like the twist is surprise. It's not a from the you know a killer come back from the grave like every other slasher was in the eighties, pretty much. Fine. I mean, they were just trying to do a little something different with it. Was it a hundred percent successful? No, because like you said, it's a little unbelievable that they would all have the exact same hallucinations of the guy. Yeah, because it's going to take, like, a, a, a more than a week to drop subconscious. Like, I would understand, like, if they were all individually going through either group or individual hypnosis where he's dropping, like, certain hints and certain images into their mind. And then, you know, that kind of thing. But they didn't... That wasn't happening. And then all the while... Bruce Abbott's character, who's their doctor, who's, you know, doing all the therapy with them and all that, he doesn't even know anything that's happening until the fucking end of the movie because he decides he's going to take the red pill. Yeah, he decides that he's got a leftover tranquilizer that he's just going to take to help him feel better and relax. Mind you, while he gets into the the car, he's going to drive. Yeah, he's going to drive while he's taking the tranquilizer. But it was the 80s. So it was like, I went to Harvard and Yale, whatever fucking fan, Columbia, whatever fucking fancy school he went to. Um, but fuck that. I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm dumb. I'm just going to take this random fucking pill. I don't even know what this fucking pill is supposed to do. It was supposed to be for Ralph. Um, tranquilizer, like you said. It's, and it's then sedative, make you feel a little better. Fine, but while I'm driving, like... Look, you've seen that video that they've been putting around on all the social media sites from the 80s where they were asking people what they thought about the laws against drunk driving. It was in, like, 1984, and they were like, what is this, communist Russia? You can't even drink a beer while you're driving? I'm dead. Yeah, but... <laughs> Next thing you know, they'll be mandating that we wear seat belts. Stop. That's exactly what they sound like, too. No, that's definitely for sure what they sound like. But... <laughs> I'm not saying that part was unbelievable. It was just like, this is supposed to be an educated man, and he's making some stupid-ass decisions right now. Um, that was a dumb decision, but all the while, it does help him solve the case, the mystery of what the fuck is really going on. As soon as he takes this pill, he has a fucking crazy trip and realizes, oh shit, I should probably not have taken that pill. And then we're going to fast forward to the end of the film, where here we have... Jennifer Rubin threw herself off the fucking ledge of the building. Uh, Bruce Abbott has literally got her by the wrist trying to save her. Evil Dr. Guy is taunting and, and still pretending to be Let's the, just go ahead and jump there, Cynthia. Yeah. That's fine. Go ahead. Throw go yourself ahead. off. Join, join the others in Unity Field. You're going to see all of your friends again. You Hello, do it. There. And then here comes a fucking cop with two police officers and... He's like, you know, he's, you know, he obviously in his mind, the, this fucking woman is dangerous and she's the one. We just let her die. Like, who cares? Whatever. But then they bring him back on the roof and the doctor had pulled a fucking gun from one of the officers that was, you know, helping <laughs> to assist to pull her back up over, you know, the ledge. And he steals the fucking gun and then he... He, the, there's a struggle, and she fucking throws him over the ledge, and literally the cop is like, eh, turns around and walks out, never see the fucking guy again. 
I was just like, uh, you're not arresting nobody? Like, okay, obviously he's not going to arrest her because it was self-defense because obviously he was there. But he didn't even try to shoot this doctor. Like, he didn't even do like a no like nothing. Like, just like, oh, whatever. I'm done with this. The guy's dead. The end. And then like, Bird Bruce Abbott hug and Sweet Child of Mine starts playing. Yeah, what the... I mean... You did have the tidbit of information that that was the first time Guns N' Roses. Yeah, this this was is a, before they were. This was before they were big for anything. This was before they had another song in a movie that came out. That also in nineteen eighty eight, that came out. They had a song in the Deadpool, the last Dirty Harry movie, mm. uh, with Jim Carrey lip syncing to Axl Rose in that one. By the way, was it Welcome to the Jungle? Yes. Oh, okay. Wow, that was a, just a fucking pull that shit out of a yeah. hat. And they had originally, the video was going to be, that they released for this song, was going to be clips from this movie, because they were very excited to have a movie tie-in, especially a horror movie. But apparently Axl Rose's girlfriend at the time wasn't fond of it, because the Sweet Child of Mine song was about her, and she didn't want to be associated with a horror movie. But she had so once again, the singer's girlfriend ruined everything for the band. I can't stop. <laughs> Well, you know what? How I mean, many I know. Fucking times does that have to happen before they realize? Don't listen to the girlfriend of the singer. Oh my god! I know that. Um, yeah, I, I, I literally, I can't with you. I can't. Yeah, I fucking can't. Yoko Junior there. Wow, really? We're gonna? I mean, that's such a long. Are you? You need to get over that. Are you still? Are you? Yeah, still mad about that. The world is still mad. Yeah, Are you talking for the world? Yeah, everybody's still mad about Yoko. What did she tell? Isn't how he came out with that amazing album everyone loves? Or is this a, is this the weird one with the sounds? Uh, I, I can't even I can't even keep a track of what the hell happened because this is before my time. It's before my time. Just watch the video of when he's singing with uh, Chuck Berry, and she starts playing the like tambourine in the background and they're just ignoring it because there's really no need for a tambourine in this song and then she just starts screaming at the top of her lungs into the microphone not singing just randomly screaming because people aren't paying attention to her and they just cut her microphone and cut her screaming off because and you can see the minute she starts screaming the look on chuck berry's face is like what the fuck is going on with this woman oh my gosh it is amazing. Look it up. It's it's a trip. Well, uh, Guns and Roses. Yeah, that was a weird choice for this movie. Yeah, that was a strange one. Apparently, they wanted other. They had another song that they wanted instead, but they we needed to know what the other song was because Sweet Child of Mine. Like, okay, first of all, Child is in the title, so that's weird. That was based on his girlfriend. Okay, and then. Well, the, Jennifer Rubin's mind was childlike, so. so yeah, and he kept calling her Harris. You know, Richard Lynch kept calling her Love Child, Love Child, which in the deleted scene that we find out that she was his actual child. Yeah, that's what the see, and it's like some the song they originally wanted was. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I have to say that. That whole thing is a no-go. And, and like, Bruce uh, Abbott and her just ride off into the fucking sunset. Like... Oh, yeah, here it is. The, the original song was uh, the band X's Burning House of Love. Okay, see, no. Yeah, just That might weird. have been a little too on the nose since, you know, they were in a burning house and all that. Yeah, and then, like... So now this became, like, a love story of... 
that's a strong love, man. It developed in like two days, you know. And this woman had two days. Everything happened in two days. She, it took 13 years for her to get to the mental institution, right? Then she woke up. Two days later, she walking. She talking. She doing all kinds of things after being laying in bed for 13 years. Yeah. And then two days later, she got a man, prof- uh, uh, educated doctor, okay? Not just like Joe Schmo working at, you know, whatever place, flipping burgers. Here we have a doctor. Here he is professing his love to her, saved her life. And now she went from not having a job, money, anywhere. Now she, now she's with a doctor and she got a nice place to live and they're driving off into the sunset. I mean, let me tell you, this lady fucking won the lottery. Yeah, she did all right for herself. She did all right. And all she had to do was open her eyes. And take a nap for 13 years. Yeah, man, you would love to take a nap for 13 years. I would. Yeah, but you wouldn't like to have to do all the work. You wouldn't need the Jennifer Rubin pill where you just... Yeah, wake up and I'm just healthy again. Yeah, boom, you're walking. Not like Christopher Walken. Poor Christopher Walken. Here he is. He was it's barely walking. Five years. Yeah, he was barely walking. Exactly. He was barely walking. We got it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was real fucked up. He was, he was, he didn't have, it was even worse in the novel with Christopher Walken, too. He had to have surgeries on his arms, too, because his arms didn't work properly. And then he lived for, like, fucking three months for... I, I mean, I guess he had a purpose, so never mind. Fine. It's just that whole thing. I mean, Stephen King, man. Stephen King. But, anywho, back to Bad Dreams. Um... You know, I met E.G. daily, and she's lovely. She's so lovely, and I love her so much. She has a great uh, TikTok. I love watching her and her daughter, you know, do things. She's doing the voices and all that. It's fantastic. Um, But we had the pleasure of seeing Jennifer Rubin um, at a horror convention, and she was also nice. Yeah. but I don't think that she remembered much from doing this movie. Probably because she was in a mental institution for like a year, like two years. Yeah, because I had asked her a question about it and she gave a very long answer that had nothing to do with bad dreams. Yeah, I don't remember what it was because it was one of those like, you know when you're watching a TV show and the person's talking to the other person and then the person asks a question and then the the other person looks off the camera and then you see like Albert Einstein like writing like zero two and then like whatever yeah. it, was like, it was like that yeah she she gave a very long response but it had nothing to do with bad dreams or working with Richard Lynch or any of the other people and I was just like oh okay I don't think she had much memory of this movie but she or did, she did have, or she didn't have happy memories of it. One or the other. Yeah, but she did have memories of Dream Warriors. Yeah, which she had a lot we to say about that. Also covered, and now we are in the dream world. I will have to say that this may or may not be the last dream movie. Technically, it's hospital horror. That's what we're starting with. Yeah. Um, that we're gonna do because I did mention altered states, and isn't that? You know, some kind of... No, that's just strictly in, like, a laboratory kind of thing. That's not with Drew Barrymore, right? No. I think Drew Barrymore's a daughter in that movie. Is she? I'm pretty sure she's the daughter of the guy in the movie. But while we're talking about that, what's that other movie with the snake that I never want to watch? Dreamscape. Dreamscape. Yes, that's the one that you irrationally hate for some reason. You know what? Let's do it this year. We're gonna we're gonna tackle the dream skate. So then my 
dislike for the movie could be solidified and I can be like, yes, I totally don't like this movie. And you can be like, okay, at least you tried. How about that? Oh, yeah, Drew Barrymore is the daughter in it. Thank you. Don't don't get in, in between me and the Drew Barrymore oh, filmography. You know, the, you know who William Hurt's wife is in this movie? Is uh, Blair Brown, who is playing Nina Sharp that we're on Friends that we're currently watching. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, yeah, we're on the fringe. I'm a, I'm a little late. I'm a little late, but better late than never, guys. Uh, we're on the fringe, season one, and we're all about it. Yep. You had seen it before. Yeah, I saw it back when it came out, but I haven't seen it since. So it's, kind of, it's been a long time, so it's kind of new to me. Well, this wraps up our first episode for 2024. Oh, so I'm giving this one three knives. I'm going to give it two syringes. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give it two, two knives. Okay. I was going to come up with another thing. Like I was going to do like pills, then like whatever. There is some gory shit that happens in this movie. Like there's one scene. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm just like, ugh. I had to close my eyes because I'm not into the gore. I had to close my eyes a couple of times in this film because it got real, real yeah, there's gory. There's one particular scene in this where someone gets stabbed in the hand repeatedly with a syringe. And that is one of those things that there's some you horror. Feel it? <laughs> yeah, there's some horror like you're never going to know what it's like to get hit with a chainsaw. Okay. You see it, it's horrible, but you don't really know what that feels like. But everyone's had a shot before, and everyone's had a shot or an IV put in badly. And you know how bad that hurts. So you can imagine getting stabbed in the hand with that very long syringe multiple times, how bad that must hurt. You can feel that one, you know? You know what's funny? That that's what you were referencing, and I was not referencing that, that scene at all. I was referencing the, uh, I don't even... Uh, air conditioning oh, they were fucking seeing yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that was a lot that yeah. was that was a lot to handle but the imagery though was pretty cool yeah they did some good effects in this um yeah the effects are pretty good i thought it was like uh crazy eddie whatever his name is <laughs> screaming mad george screaming mad george it's not i don't remember who did the effects for no this. it was a scream mad george but i was like okay this, this is pretty good But yeah, thank you so much for joining us on our first episode of 2024. Uh, Come back and listen to some more of Jump Scare, the horror podcast. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.